Night playing. One winter, at the peak of a lofty mountain, the clouds parted, the clouds parted, and plummeting from the sky came a star. In that star was a young man, no more than a baby almost. It landed in the den of a mother thunderwolf, but instead of killing the child within, it took the child as one of its own. Some years later, while out hunting, a tribesman of the Russ clan saw this man for what he was, a wolf and not a man. And though the mother thunderwolf and many of her cubs were slain, he laid down his arms and showed this man, this feral man, a peaceful gesture and invited him back to the court of his king, King Thengir of the Russ. Growing quickly, learning the language of men, and realizing soon that he was greater than both man and wolf, this stranger, as he worked his way up the ranks of King Thengir's court, earned himself a name, Lehman of the Rus. When Thengir passed, Lehman of the Rus became the new king of the clan Rus. And as he did, he gathered many powerful warlords and warriors around him, becoming the greatest king that the planet of Fenris had ever known. One day, a mysterious stranger showed up. He bid Lehman of the Rus face him in three challenges. Lehman agreed, but said that he would set the challenges. The first would be a challenge of eating. And while this stranger glutted himself eating many times more than any normal man could, when he turned, he saw that Lehman had already finished the rest of the entire feast. The second challenge was a challenge of drinking, and after six barrels of the strongest Fenrisian mead, whenever the stranger went to grab another, they were all already gone. Bested once again by Lehman of the Rus, the stranger called him nothing more than a glutton capable of nothing but hollow boasts. With a calm ferocity, he challenged the this wandering stranger to his third test, one of arms. As the battle commenced, the stranger threw off his cloak, revealing his resplendent golden armorer, and with a single blow from his power glove, the emperor of mankind laid the wolf king low, and with a laugh, Lehman of the Rus swore his fealty to his father. After this, he was given command of his legion, the Space Wolves, he demanded, Lehman of the Rus did, to take his most treasured warriors with him, and the emperor counseled that these warriors were much too old, the gene seed would not find purchase within them, and many would die. But Lehman Rus's warriors did not back down, and they all drank from the cup of the wolfen, and surprisingly, most of them survived, becoming the oldest, most venerable, and most powerful of the emperor's legion of the space wolves, the Volca Fenrica. Hello everyone, welcome to D20 Dudes, my name is Dylan, and today we are talking about my favorite of the Emperor's Legions, the Space Wolves. As the name might suggest, these are a very wolfy set of Space Marines. You, you really can't find much in this Legion, this chapter as it is now, that doesn't have the name Wolf in it. Part of that comes from the culture of their homeworld of Fenris. Fenris is a death world, as many space marine homeworlds are. It is frozen most of the year, and their year is a very long and strange one for their 
their planet's orbit is an oblong elliptical orbit around their star rather than being a circular one. So as the planet shoots out into space and their sun grows dim, most of the planet freezes over. While this means that there is little farming to be done, this is also the most stable the landmasses of Fenris will ever be. They can walk the oceans as thick, thick, dozens of feet thick sheets of ice are what becomes of the oceans, and they can travel from island to island, raiding, pillaging, taking from one another as best they can to survive this long, harsh winter. In the summers, they can grow food and settle these islands in a more permanent fashion, except that during the summers, a lot of these islands tend to become incredibly volcanic, new land masses forming as quickly as old ones are destroyed, people having to gather their tribes in big longships to find new places to live, the only solid, stable land mass on the world of Fenris being the massive plateau to the north housing the fortress known as the Fang. While the north is perpetually cold, it is known to be the home of the Sky Warriors, what the people of Fenris call these space wolves. And the Sky Warriors are always looking down upon these tribes, trying to see who is the most worthy to be inducted into the ranks of their chapter. Along with the natural hazards of the geology and geography, there are many massive deadly creatures on the planet of Fenris. The apex predator being known as the Thunderwolf, a wolf the size of a bear, so large that the space marines are dwarfed by them and frequently befriend them and ride them into combat as beloved and trusted mounts, kindred wolf spirits. Whenever a warrior is inducted into the ranks of the space wolves, their first trial, after proving themselves in whatever way they have among their tribes, is to drink from the cup of the wolfen. This cup contains what is known as the Canis Helix, the unique part of the Space Wolves gene seed. This Canis Helix will instill within the Space Marine the spirit of the wolf, a ferocity and rage that, if they are not able to temper, will eventually turn the aspirant Space Marine into a wolf-like monster, more beast than man. After drinking from the cup of the wolfen, the new aspirants will be dumped somewhere random up in the northern continent, and they have to make their way back to the Halls of the Fang. If they manage to temper their bloodlust and survive, they can go all the way back to the Fang, and once they touch the doors, once they've made it back inside, the chapter rune priests and wolf priests will stabilize their gene seed and begin the process of giving the aspirant the rest of their implants. After this, they are a space wolf in full. And while they are technically considered a codex-compliant chapter, they do things very different from the rest of the codex-compliant chapters. First and foremost, they don't have various companies in which a new space marine may train and work his way up through the ranks, earning himself new war gear and more prestige and renown. There are 13 great companies of Space Wolves. Each one is ruled over by a wolf lord, a Space Wolf who has distinguished himself in some way and risen to become the head of his own basically tiny clan of Space Wolf warriors. The two most famous are Ragnar Blackmane, who is known for being the youngest wolf lord ever, who is very well known also for his rapid 
hit and run tactics using massive drop pod strikes to bring his battle brothers down into the the battle as quickly as possible so that they can blitz forward and just start tearing through the enemy. And Logan Grimnar, also known as the Old Wolf, being the chapter master of the entire Space Wolves chapter, who is so prestigious, so well-known, he in fact was part of the battle on Armageddon in which the demon Primarch Angron was banished and chaos was driven from the planet taking his axe uh, that was a demon-forged weapon and reforging it into a power axe all his own. After an aspirant becomes a space wolf, the first rank that they will attain is that of a blood claw. Instead of there being a blood claw company, like there would be the 10th company of space marines, which would normally be the scout marines in another chapter, a... Company can have any number of blood claws. They are just warriors that the Wolf Lord has taken a particular liking to and has decided to include in his great company. Blood claws, while having bested the inner bestial wolf spirit inside of them, are still very hot-headed. That that wolf spirit is still very forward within them. They are very brash. They're very eager to prove themselves. They are usually given bolters or bolt pistols and a chainsword and have a propensity for charging headlong into battle if not to sate their bloodlust, then to prove that they are worthy of recognition from their betters. Sadly, many new space wolves will die because of this, because of brash, bullheaded, bad tactics where they simply want to charge forward and prove themselves mighty instead of doing anything intelligently. But if a gray, or I'm sorry, if a blood claw survives in several engagements, proves himself intelligent better than just charging forward and doing the violence to the opponent in whatever way seems most fun at the time, they can be inducted into the ranks of the Grey Hunters. These are the tactical marines of the Space Wolves chapter. They are very adept at using bolt guns and plasma guns and other standardized weapons, um, things that you would be useful at a larger range than a chainsword. Now, this is not the only way that a blood claw can ascend. Some of them are given the bikes that the Space Marines often use and will travel in packs, um, hunting around with high mobility, um, not necessarily low power, but lower power than some other squads. In smaller squads, just trying to get in, kill things as quickly as possible, get out, perhaps do a little scouting if they can stop being hot-headed enough and actually report things back instead of just charging their bikes at them and trying to kill things. Um, they can be made into sky claws, given the jump packs of other Space Marine chapters, and given to taking to the air and flying down, swooping in to smack, just go whole ham, just just rush headlong as fast as possible, jet-aided into an enemy, and try and kill as quickly as possible. Uh, perhaps uh, while most Space Wolves are very pack-oriented and like being around their Battle Brothers, you may have a loner in your group, and instead of becoming a, glo- a, a gray hunter, this blood claw may instead become one of the wolf scouts, who tend to form smaller, more isolated packs using the scout armor and sniper rifles that other companies or other chapters would put in their 10th company to train their marines, but instead being a lone wolf set of packs who will do recon, scouting, and assassinations. But should none of those things appeal, and 
the blood claw ascends to becoming a gray hunter, they are then seen as the core of the space wolf army, the battle brothers proper. And if they become distinguished, they show themselves very resourceful. They survive a long time, uh, very tactical and are proven to have leadership qualities in many engagements. They can then be inducted into the ranks of the long fangs, those old space wolves who have proven themselves in battle and earn themselves the use of better war gear and better weapons. The long fangs are few and far between, but even fewer are the wolf guard. Any space wolf can become a wolf guard simply by proving that they are the best at what they do, regardless of what company they're in. If they show that they are just super good, if their combat prowess exceeds that of all others, if their tactical prowess is putting all the others to shame, they can be inducted into the ranks of the wolf guard and become one of the wolf lord's personal bodyguards. And it is from here usually it's chosen a new wolf lord whenever one is slain in battle and a new wolf lord needs to be chosen. Also among the ranks of the wolves are the wolf priests, those who are well-versed in the sacred lore of the land of Fenris, their legends, their tales, and especially the tale of their king, Leman of the Rus, the wolf king who gave rise to the entire legion and his father to all on Fenris. They're well-known as healers. They're well-known as spiritual leaders. And along with them are the rune priests, those psychers who are within the Space Wolf Legion, who use the old sacred runes of their people to bind their psychic powers and commune with the spirits of Fenris to cause seemingly magical things to happen around them. Now, in their war gear kits, they have things that most other chapters will have. They'll have Thunderwing fighters, which they call... Um, thunder wolves because they can they're space wolves everything's a wolf to them uh, they have tanks armored troop transports things of that nature but unique among the space wolves are a the thunder wolf cavalry which as mentioned earlier are thunder wolves that are trained and befriended by the space wolves and ridden into battle as mounts wolves twice the size of a normal man who can run in and shred people to bits on top of that the space wolves have the infamous wolfen there i said there are 13 great companies within the space wolves chapter and while this is true for a time there were only 12 the 13th was considered lost for when lehman russ received his terrible vision and said he must leave his chapter and go into the warp, and that he would only return during the wolf time. A, a company went with him. A company chased Lehman Russ into the warp. Or in some tellings, whenever Magnus the Red fled into the warp, a company chased Magnus into the warp in order to hunt him down. This company disappeared. No one had heard out of them for nigh 10,000 years, until recently when suddenly these space wolves reappeared out of the warp. Oddly, for these Space Wolves, they were not the standard battle brother. For you see, the curse of the Wolfen that the Canis Helix bestows upon a Space Wolf, it never truly goes away. It can be mastered, but it is always there. And if a Space Wolf completely loses themselves to their battle fury, the curse of the Wolfen will take hold. They will take on wolf-like features, their, <clears throat> their teeth extending into long fangs, their fingers curling into black chitinous claws, their 
legs becoming jointed as a wolf's would be and granting them excellent sense of smell and sight and hearing, all of these bestial traits, but making them lose themselves to the wolf spirit inside of them. By all accounts, this 13 great company that had disappeared into the warp, when they came back, they had all the traits of these wolfen who had lost themselves to the curse. But instead of being savage, unrelenting beasts, they still were cognizant and had their faculties about them. And while many were wary of them, they were welcomed back into the ranks of the Space Wolves chapter, and making the wolfen part of their battle force once again. Notable among the Wolfen is a Dreadnought named Murderfang. A Dreadnought is a space marine that is either too old or too injured to continue fighting as one normally would, and interred into a massive moving sarcophagus. This sarcophagus is akin to a walking tank with massive arms and armament, uh, not able to move very quickly, but able to deal devastating amounts of damage and containing enough life support systems to keep a space marine alive past the point of death for a supposedly indefinite period of time, although the longer this goes on, the harder and harder this marine will be to wake. Murderfang showed up one day, and the Space Wolves found out that one of their dreadnoughts was on a planet. They didn't remember it being sent there. They had no idea why it was there. They went and they found this dreadnought just tearing through some Xenos, and after they helped take down the Xenos that were threatening this Dreadnought, it suddenly turned on them and attacked them. This Dreadnought had no markings for a great company. It had no insignias or sigils that might mark who this Dreadnought previously was or what company they could possibly belong to, but all they knew about it was that the spirit, the wolf spirit inside of this Dreadnought had completely overtaken the Marine inside, and Murderfang became one of the strongest weapons in the Space Wolves' arsenal, but unfortunately, one of the most unpredictable. For Murderfang has to be completely kept on ice, unable to move, unable to think, because any time he is awakened, he will simply begin murdering everything in front of him, indiscriminately and with a horrible, horrible rage. After, after he's deployed, where they basically open his cage and point him in the direction of the enemy, they have to use as many psychers as possible, as many types of freezing weaponry as possible to try and put him back on ice and get him back into his cage. The Space Wolves are most notable in the Horus Heresy for their conflict on Prospero. During the Horus Heresy, Magnus had broken his oath at the Council of Nikea to no longer use his psychic powers. He broke through the Emperor's psychic barrier in order to try and warn him about Horus's betrayal. Doing this, however, breaking the psychic barrier around Terra, meant that the Webway project that the Emperor was working on was flooded with demons, completely ruining it and meaning that the humans had to continue using the warp for travel and could not use a Webway, which would be much faster and much safer. The Emperor decided Magnus needed to be held accountable and sent Lehman Russ to go capture Magnus and bring him to heal, bring him back to Terra so that he could face his judgment. On the way to Prospero, Horus, the arch-traitor, whom no one had yet known had betrayed the Imperium, sent orders to Lehman Russ, and speaking with the voice of the Emperor himself, said, The Emperor has changed his mind. We no longer wish to capture Magnus. The Emperor wishes for you to kill Magnus. Magnus knew that the wolves were coming for him, and decided he was not going to put up any kind of a fight. He was going to lay down his arms, 
and allow himself to be captured, but whenever the wolves arrived in force on Prospero and began burning the entire planet, purging them of the Thousand Suns, and trying to destroy the very world itself, Magnus knew something was wrong, and it was far too late to put up any kind of shielding to evacuate the citizens to do anything. Magnus had no choice but to fight back. Lehman Russ and Magnus the Red had a titanic battle on the fields of Prospero, where Magnus, using his psychically enhanced might, punched out one of Lehman Russ's redundant hearts, but Lehman eventually managed to win the fight by taking Magnus into his arms and breaking his back over his knee. With no recourse and no other way to survive, this is when Magnus finally gave his soul to Zinch, and he fled into the warp as Prospero, his homeworld, burned. Since then, they have been part of many other conflicts. Um, the first war for Armageddon, wherein the forces of Korn, under the demon Primarch of Angron, decided to try and take the world because it was a hub world that led to many stable warp routes near the throne world of Terra. Um, the Space Wolves arrived in force as uh, alongside the Inquisition and the forces of the Grey Knights in order to drive the demonic incursion back. While ultimately successful, the Grey Knights um, and the Inquisition had a falling out with the Space Wolves for... They thought that since the entire population of Armageddon had been exposed to the demons, they knew a truth and could possibly be tainted, they should all be euthanized. And the Space Wolves said, why did we come here if we we're simply going to kill the entire population anyway? We fought to save these people. We shouldn't kill them. This disagreement led to the Space Wolves taking many of the people of Armageddon aboard their ships and leaving the system with them. The Inquisition then labeled the Space Wolves as traitors for doing this and decided they were going to send their full might against the Fang, the Space Wolves fortress on their world of Fenris. Bringing in the might of the Inquisition, the Adeptus um, Astra Militarum, the Imperial Guard, and the um, Grey Knights chapter to try and bring the Space Wolves to heal, the Fang proved itself such a heavily defended fortress that even this combined force of arms could not penetrate it, and eventually the Space Wolves managed to drive the Inquisition off of Fenris and prove themselves chosen of the mighty god-emperor of mankind. A similar event is the assault on the Fang, wherein after many of the grand companies were sent off on their own missions, their own forays, and the Fang was left defended by only a single great company, Magnus the Red then teleported several spires from the world of the sorcerers in the warp onto um, Fenris, these allowing him to open up stable warp rifts that allowed demons of Zinch and his own Thousand Sun Space Marines to invade Fenris directly. While the Fang did suffer heavy damage and many losses were had among the Space Wolves, especially while they were trying to send out messages to recall their battle brothers to come and help, Ultimately, the Fang did manage to stave off the Thousand Suns, though not without grievous loss. Today, the Space Wolves are part of the Indominus Crusades. They have received their own Primaris Marines, as well as now having their first and only successor chapter known as the Wolf Spears. For every other successor chapter to the Wolves up to this point had suffered a grim fate, and it was decided that there should not be any Space Wolf successors, especially since the Wolves themselves did not necessarily like having successors, seeing as anyone who had the gene seed of Lehman Russ uh, should be a native of Fenris itself. The Space Wolves and the Wolf Spears have a tense respect for each other, 
whereas the wolves do not feel that the wolf spears are true sons of Rus, and initially felt this way about the Primaris Marines that were inducted into their ranks. The Space Wolves initially refused to take the Primaris Marines into their ranks, stating that since they were not sons of Fenris and thus not true sons of Rus, they should not be allowed within the ranks of the Space Wolves themselves, only acquiescing to the pleas of Logan Grimnar, the Great Wolf himself. Luckily for them, the new Primaris Space Wolves took to life on Fenris very quickly and very, very quickly proved themselves to be sons of Rus, <clears throat> taking in the culture and the customs and becoming true Space Wolves in spirit. So that was me rambling about the Space Wolves for about 25 minutes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we got our socials down below. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, twitter.com at d20dudes. If you want to find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash d20dudes. And we got a Discord link down in the description like always. And we're going to roll that d20. We'll see what next week's topic is going to be. Whoop. Come on. Stay on the desk, please. I beg of you. Three. Pathfinders Animal Companions. Next week we'll be talking about the Animal Companions of Pathfinder for things such as Druid Companions, Ranger Companions, and... Sorcerer, wizard, um, familiars. Um, so we'll hope to see you in the next one. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.